Welcome to episode 83 of Collector's Quest. In the wake of new releases by companies like Retrobit, Pico Interactive, and I Am 8-Bit, we are talking about aftermarket reproductions. Not bootlegs, not pirated software, officially licensed software that is re-released by a modern publisher for the original platform. And when I say license, I mean that the game itself was licensed by the IP holder, not that it has the Nintendo seal of quality on it. I think we both flub terminology a little bit in this episode, so before you send your hate mail to Johnny, I just want to clarify. Aftermarket refers to everything released for a console after its lifespan. Homebrew are games completely built from the ground up in the modern era. And what this episode is focused on is games that already existed that have been republished as legal reproductions in the modern era. So if one of us uses the wrong term once or twice, I'm sorry about that. If you do like the show, please go over to iTunes and give us five stars and a review. If you don't like the show, Johnny would probably tell you that you're wrong. All right, here we go. Welcome back to another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Cat here with Johnny. I'm Tyler here uh, with Johnny. Wow, uh, that got weird. So, are you Tyler or are you Cat? I'm actually Tyler. If this is your okay. first episode tuning in, I'm Tyler. I'm the other guy. This is Johnny, Super Collector. I don't know about all that, but I'm Johnny. I'm here. Uh, we're here. We're here together. As close as two people in states on opposite ends of the United States can be. What are we talking about today, Tyler? Well, we're talking about the weather, because it snowed in North Carolina, which is something that never happens. Is that rare? Uh, it's it's incredibly rare where I am. We got five inches, which basically shut the state down for three days. Oh, man. Maybe you can relate, because you're in California. Yeah, we had mudslides that actually shut down whole places and killed people. But it's cool you got <laughs> snow. <laughs> that That sounds like an actual serious issue, though. With here, no one showed up to work today because there was still snow on, like, the side banks of the road. Like, the roads were fine, but people saw the snow outside, and they're like, I'm not going to risk it. Yeah, I I can't blame them. I hate driving in the snow. But, uh, yeah, California has been crazy with uh, the mudslides after the fires and everything. I, I live in that general vicinity. I did get stuck on the freeway after a shutdown, and uh, that was pretty annoying. My boss texted me and was like, where are you? I'm like... Parked on a freeway for the last two hours. Oh, turn around and go home then. Okay. I think I will. Yeah. Man, things sound pretty terrible over there. Like, this was like probably the story of the year is that we got a little bit of snow. And meanwhile, things are literally on fire over there. Well, the fire is finally out, so that's good. But now, like, people trying to clean up uh, one of our major freeways, the 101, are still at that. But people don't care about that here. They don't want to hear about disasters and nonsense they want to hear about uh video games so what video game thing are we talking about today 
Uh, we're talking about what are we talking about? Oh man! Well, we are we're talking about all of the new releases for old systems, and what do we feel about that, and what do we feel like it's doing to the video game market in general? So, what are we talking about? If you've seen any of the Retrobit releases, any of the Pico Interactive stuff, that stupid Street Fighter cart that came out, we're talking about these types of games and what do they mean for collectors? Uh, our opinion on them, that anyways. So I didn't, I didn't know what to call it because when you say repro or reproduction, what you immediately think of is like a counterfeit game. But these are a lot of these, at least, are just reproductions of old games, but they're not counterfeit. They're just officially licensed not by nintendo but they just remake a game and sell it for 25 or 100 dollars, depending on how money hungry the company is right so i agree repro is a problematic term it doesn't uh, elicit the right feeling about it so it's more like an unlicensed game i guess feels almost like an unlicensed game but some of them are licensed by the company that made them just not licensed to nintendo obviously because they don't hand out license for Super Nintendo games anymore, or Nintendo games. Yeah, and that's true. And I personally put them, I mean, I would put them in the same category as an unlicensed game. I don't think there's really any difference between, you know, Mermaids of Atlantis and this new stupid retro-bit cart that contains four cheap games on it uh, that they just released on the NES. Because it is officially, like, the people who put out the game are putting out this cartridge, uh, it just doesn't have Nintendo seal of quality on it. So right. I think what people do is they they label them just aftermarket. Uh, Ferris Bueller on Nintendo Age is one of the guys who likes using the term aftermarket to just describe anything that came out after the console was really a thing. Right. And maybe that's a good term to go with because it, there does need to be some sort of classification because it's not just like an unlicensed game, though I feel like it does fall in that category, but it, it's also a different thing. And I know we have a lot of guys right now who are trying to argue that things like the Street Fighter cart should be part of the set, which is total and utter rubbish nonsense. Pull your head out. That that's get get out of here. That's not that's not how this works. Slices you know by how Capcom. I, the Street Fighter one has the Super Nintendo logo on it. A lot of these other ones are just like SNES compatible. But Street Fighter said Nintendo. Ooh. Oh, go. Yeah, okay, what about what about all those Pico Interactive games? I didn't hear anybody lobbying for those when they came out. I I didn't even know about these when they came out. You're the only person I know who actually bought one of these. Pico Interactive, they, they got a licensing deal with Wisdom Tree, and I guess maybe some other crappy game companies. But they put out games like Super Noah's Ark 3D, Escape from Atlantis, and Noah's Ark. And Dorky and Imp, and Mr. Blobby Saves the World and Cornbuster, and on the Super Nintendo front, if you remember the original Legend game that was on the Super Nintendo, they've got the Legend 2016 reprint. They have The Humans, which was uh, a game that wasn't released here, but it was released in PAL, the same with this game called Pinky. Like, these were actual games on the Super Nintendo. And then you have people like Retrobit, who have, like, the Data East collection. You have the Joe and Mac collection, which is weird, because it's got three games on it, and only two of them are, are Joe and Mac games. You know, the no one was arguing for this stuff. It was just this one Street Fighter cart that everybody's like, nope, gotta count it. Well, you're, you have Super Noah's Ark, I know. and I Like, do. the Pico Interactive one. And you're happy with it. You think, like, alright, I don't, I can have this basically just a variant that came out 20 years after the fact of Super Noah's Ark 3D. 
Well, I don't care about Super Noah's Ark 3D. Well, you don't care about unlicensed games, right? Right. I don't care about unlicensed garbage. I don't have nostalgia for unlicensed carts, with the one exception of uh, Tengen. Tengen, I feel, is like, you know, as close to a licensed product as you can almost get. Like, people... I mean, Tetris was on Tengen, so... in Gauntlet, people... People have nostalgia and played for the I and Pac-Man. Like I don't have nostalgia for Atlantis or what is it like Death Race things like that. I, I didn't have these. I didn't see these games on the shelf, so I don't feel anything for them. You're talking about Atlantis on the Odyssey too, right? One of the two unlicensed games for that. Uh, no, whatever the Atlantis <laughs> game is on the on the Nintendo. What, what was it called? Mermaids, Mermaids of Atlantis. Of Atlantis yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that that's my feeling on it. Even Chiller, which is a game I think is cool, still doesn't count to me. I mean, I think a lot of people are there with you. And then all the hardcore people who have been at this for 20 years are like, nope, every game counts. Every single one. Gotta get them Pan-Asians in there. Even though, like, that, all that is problematic, too. Like, we could go into a whole conversation about just unlicensed games from back in the day. But let's wrangle it back up to these these newfangled aftermarket games. We'll, we'll go with aftermarket, at least so people are clear what the hell we're talking about. Yeah, sure. I just, I'm curious how you feel about them. So I really like when a game that has never been released in the United States is re-released in the United States. So the one that just came up for pre-order today is Holy Diver. So that's, not only is it a Famicom exclusive game, or I don't... Someone's going to kill me on that. It's probably on something else. But it, it's a game that is a Famicom game. Didn't come out in the United States. And it, it costs maybe $90 if you just want a card-only copy on the Famicom. And they're re-releasing like this little collector's edition bundle with a bunch of feelies and stickers and pins and stuff like that. But it comes on an NES cartridge, and it's only 60 bucks. And I think that's really cool that we get this basically a new unlicensed game for the NES library. Okay, but how did you feel about the other game they released... Before that, Data East All-Star Collection. I mean, I think that's kind of cool just because it's this new NES thing. And if you give me something in the shape of an NES cart, I will probably buy it. Um, Because there's nothing really new on that, I think it's a lot less cool. I mean, I'm the person who would totally accept the argument that New Super Mario Bros. U plus New Super Luigi U doesn't matter for the Wii U library. Because you already have the two games individually, so why do you need the combination disc? And that's Ugh. kind of how I feel about the cartridge, too. Well, not correct. It's its own thing. <laughs> I mean, even if it's like it's this unlicensed thing. thing. <laughs> no. That, no. Ugh. That's, one is released and sold, like in stores at the time of console. One is, came out 30 years after the fact. About the Data East one. It is cool, though. It, it comes with those stickers and stuff. Like, it's got Burger Time stickers, and it's got a, a cool button that says Hug It Out, and it's got the two guys, uh, the avatars from Ring King, yep. uh, clinching. So I, I think that's funny. So if that was like a hundred dollars, I would probably just pass on it. But it was like oh, thirty bucks for sure. Like for thirty bucks for a, a basically a brand new Nintendo game, I'm definitely on board with that. Even if it doesn't have anything bu- new and is technically a bad deal. Yeah, thirty dollars is is a pretty low impact price, right? It's like meh. All right, thirty dollars, I'll roll the dice on it. Though I haven't on this one yet, but I, I plan to. I bought the other ones for Super Nintendo, but not not this one. So I probably will now that I know it has this hug it out button in there. <laughs> That's probably worth it to me now. So I'm wondering, the multi-cart for Data East, it came with like the button and all that crap. And now their Holy Diver release 
is kind of the same thing. It comes in a hard case that says collector's edition, but they still included like all little crap in that. And that one's $60 now. So basically for a little improvement, we've doubled the price and went from a multi-cart to a single game. So I think they're really toying around with uh, how much they're going to be able to milk out of people with these new games that they're releasing. Cause it's kind of this well, uncharted territory. Right. Well, and the minute you put collector's edition on it. So yeah, I find the pricing on Holy Diver problematic in relation to this. Uh, but I, I, I want to go back to the Data East thing. Is Buggy Popper a new game? Buggy Popper is Bump and Jump. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, that's, I think, the European name of Bump and Jump. Oh, okay. I did not because know that. Because that's what like, you do. What is that game? Buggy Poppers, uh, they're both kind of cool names. I like them both. But I think what you're getting at is on the Data East Classic Collection on SNES, there are unreleased games. So that's a multi-cart, but that has Magical Drop 2 and Fighter's History Mizuguchi which you could tell me, but I don't think either of those came out in the United States. No, none of those, I don't think were here, unless they were called something else. But yeah, that's why I thought that one was interesting, and I, why I bought it for Super Nintendo, because these games didn't come out here. So I was like, all right, sure, let's let's give that, uh, let's give that a, a swing. Why not? And now people can see that the, in the Jalco collection, it's interesting, they, they get the trilogy in there that most people don't know is like, a trilogy, The Rival Turf, Tough Enough, and Peacekeepers. Yep. Is that the right one? Is that the right trilogy? Are those the ones that are trilogy, or is the... Is, I don't think it's Tough Enough. Is it Brawl Brothers? I don't know. There's a Jelko Fighter trilogy, and it doesn't look like it, uh, just by the boxes. I have to Now I have to look. Anyways, and the Joe and Mac collection, which is weird. Is Congo Caper a Joe and Mac game? And I just never knew. I, this is like the third podcast we've brought that up on, and none of us still know if Congo's Caper is a Joe and Mac game. And we both always look at it and we're like, yeah, it looks like a Joe and Mac game, right? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Anyways, these releases are interesting, and especially these ones, uh, the Joe and Mac, all these initial waves, which uh, the Nintendo one, the NES one, was $30. These ones were like 35 you can get them like 35 without shipping on eBay and stuff or Amazon. So it's kind of kind of not that big a deal. It's not like a big impact. But now you get the Holy Diver, like you said, $60. I have some problems there. All the Pico Entertainment ones, those are... Their model is so strange. Let me tell you about their model if you haven't, if you haven't bought from them. And this isn't true with all of them, but a lot of the old ones... You buy it, and it's like, oh, it's $29. But then if you want the box and the manual, it's like another $15 to add on. I mean, I buy homebrew all the time, so I'm just used to that now. I just get cartridge only, because I don't care. I mean, it's not a retail release, so what do I need the packaging for? I just want to play the game. Right. I just think it's weird that they are like a company that sells them. They might sell you uh, one in these, like just a cart. You could accidentally buy just a cart from them. And a lot of times they have like PAL region on there as well so you could get it in the pal cart it, it's it's strange it, it's strange though they i mean they legitimately have some games that i would be interested in trying for like a second but i don't think i want to own and they have more for than just the super nintendo too they have they have like some genesis games and isn't almost everything they have like an unreleased prototype though you can't just download that stuff right yeah, so like on a lot of these games, you just can't find ROMs and stuff for them. They're just, you know, kind of kind of unique to their thing. All right. So you don't see like very many uh, dorky and imps games like in the in the repro scene. So I don't know if you're interested in new titles, but 
here's one of my big problem with these things. I, I know you kind of like them, but I feel like this, and especially like the Street Fighter one, which was a hundred dollars, now like two hundred dollars on the aftermarket. I don't know how much. Have you checked the glow in the dark price one? How much that goes for? Uh, I don't know. I think the last I saw was like one fifty, but I don't know if it was the glow in the dark one. Probably not, because I think the regular ones are going for close to two. Oh, jeez. Uh, it, yeah, like, don't spend your money on that. Because now, I have this, there's this suck that is happening in the collector's world where people are buying these fake retro items for retro systems, and they're not putting their money into the actual retro games, which I guess could be good if you want to keep the prices of those games down. But every time you spend, like, a hundred bucks on, uh, Pico games, should you have just bought a $100 Super Nintendo game? Is that a better value overall? Probably. But I, I don't know. I don't know where these are going. I don't see these having much value down the line unless a bunch of collectors all of a sudden decide that, that these all count and you have to have them and make people feel like an impetus to collect them by if you don't own them, you don't count kind of thing, which I, I don't think will happen. I mean, I'm kind of split on that because I both think that the collectible value of these in the future is nothing compared to any of the real kind of retro games that are out there. But I also think that I have a chance to buy this for $30 now. And, you know, 20 years from now, this is probably going to be, oh, remember that weird thing where that company called Retrobit just released a bunch of NES multi-carts in 2018? So I I don't want to have to hunt these down in the future, and I know I'm going to want them eventually just because they're this kind of weird bit of NES history. So I figure they're worth owning now. And I can see that. I'm still confused if that is... Like, if you want to own it, that's one thing. But if you are if you are split on, like, where to spend your money, I don't think this is the right place to put your money. I, yeah, in terms of, like, if you want my opinion, if we're going to add games to someone's collection, I think their collection is going to be much cooler if they have a $100 quote-unquote real retro game over this new manufactured Street Fighter thing that was just licensed and made recently. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we both just hate that Street Fighter release. Just, just everything about it, the glow-in-the-dark cart, the fact that it's a $100 version of a $5 game, just everything about that is wrong. Oh, yeah, this... This thing just, it makes me so angry, and it, it shouldn't. I And I, I normally don't care that much about this kind of stuff, but this one, it, what a fucking ripoff. And I, like, I had the chance to buy it, and I was just like, you know what? As a guy who has spent all of this money on Super Nintendo games, $100 is not that much more to throw at it, but I could not bring myself to do it. I couldn't do it. I probably would. If it was a Nintendo game, I probably would have bought it. I don't care. Yeah, I I, I couldn't make <laughs> I still myself. hate it. Well, I'm glad you still hate it, but yeah, I it, it was sitting there. I could have done it. I just didn't. So uh, a fun thing about the Holy Diver Collector's Edition is that they've been really cagey on whether it's really a collector's edition. So I think the product the product page says like the first thousand carts will be colored, and then somewhere else on the internet it says like limited to a thousand collector's editions and so what i think is going to happen in the future is that these are eventually going to sell out and then they're going to put like a 35 dollars copy on amazon oh you think so yeah because i don't think they want to become limited run games i think they just want to sell as many of these stupid things as they can and these are just like two weird releases they put up on this site that no one's ever heard of castlemania.com yeah let's also talk about the other release they have there which is actually pretty cool it's 
Super R-Type. It's the R-Type return, so it's R- Super R-Type and R-Type 3. But what is this? Does this damage the value of R-Type and R-Type 3? I mean, Super R-Type's not worth anything, so no. But also, well, it's R-type, like... R-Type 3 is. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's this weird new thing. No one's buying R-Type 3 because they want to play it. I mean, people are, but that's not why it's worth however many hundreds of dollars it is complete in box. It's a shmup, so like that. that is a game people like to play. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying about the one of a thousand thing now. Limited edition one of a thousand. There's a little certificate that comes with it. Comes with a figure pin and some other junk. Comes in this hard box. This box, because it's a 3D rendering, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know if if this big box contains like the Super Nintendo box that it's eventually going to come in or what. The same with Holy Diver. I think it's showing us both sides of the box. Is that what it is? I'm guessing. I don't know. Yeah, I, I I didn't read up too much on it. I'm I'm curious to see how this goes. I do think both of these releases are cool. Sixty dollars is like my max. Yeah, that's really pushing it. I think. Yeah, that's that's like the top end. It has to be a pretty cool release. Also, I have heard that Holy Diver is actually a very cool game. Yep, never played it, but it's supposed to be like Castlevania, right? I don't know if it's supposed to be like Castlevania. I almost bought a repro of it a while ago. I, I think so. But people said it's like really quite an excellent game, so I was pretty interested in buying it, and now, and now I have this one. If I had a repro, I don't know if I would have bought this. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't really care for repros. I want, I want the real guy who made this is at least getting some portion of the money psychologically. That makes me feel good, even if the actual guy who made this is no longer getting any portion of the money. Yeah, well, whoever ponied up for the license, I mean, they yeah. paid for it, so. Yeah, it, it's interesting that these things are out there, and this this has been a growing trend uh, going forward. Do you do you see more of these releases coming? Uh, yeah, there's going to be tons. I think Retrobit is going to do really well on these, and then kind of how like limited run games had success putting out all these PS4 games. Now all these little companies are coming up trying to do the same thing, but they're not really as successful. I think we're going to see a lot of those little companies that do like one off and two off games now. And it's going to be yeah. a nightmare to track, but uh, I love NES, so that's just going to be a ton of fun because love catalog and stuff. So do you think you think they'll go with retro games? They won't try to do kind of the new model, which is going to be a podcast we talk about later. All these new companies that have just exclusive games they sell only through their sites, but you think that's going to happen with retro games as well, not just like PS4 and now Switch games? Oh yeah, I think it's this whole new thing where. You know, we're going to sell a thousand copies of this retro game. And it doesn't matter that it's a $15 game. This is the limited one. It runs on a real Super Nintendo. This is the one you got to have. So I think there's definitely going to be a lot of that in the future. And the craziest part to me is that if you want a brand new game, like a new NES game, you could just go on Nintendo Age and find some of these homebrew, uh, these new homebrew games that are made. And they're just like... They're only sold via one forum thread, and it's just like some guy making them in his garage, and he's like, yeah, I made like 20 of these, I made 40 of these, I'm just going to sell them on the forum. And you got this super rare game, which is what you wanted, and it's a brand new game that arguably would count more towards whatever set you think you're collecting. Yeah, but people want to say those ones don't count. I mean, I don't think any of these count. I don't think those count. I think what Nintendo released was, is the set that I'm interested in anyways. The rest of them are just like, you know, they're gravy. They're, they're nice show-off pieces. Yeah, I don't know. 
I like I like playing the new stuff. I think it's cool that people are still doing stuff for it. Undeniably, it's cool. It's definitely cool that people are out there doing this, but as a collector, do I care about that? No, as a, as a gamer, I care, but as a collector, I don't. I do. I don't know. It's like, it's the whole limited thing. Like, it, it they can't get it to me as a manufactured limited thing. Like, when you say Street Fighter 2 is limited to a thousand copies, I'm like, okay, so you decided to limit manufacturing to a thousand copies. But, you know, when I'm buying one of these new homebrews and it's like, well, there's only really a couple hundred people in the world who would even be interested in buying this. And that's why there's so few of them. I think that's cool. Yeah, but that guy could always turn around and make 30 more and not tell anybody. Oh, yeah. and if, But I mean, even if he did that, like if he just produced them indefinitely, like Battle Kid 2 is probably or maybe Battle Kid 1, probably the most popular homebrew that's ever been made. There can't be more than, you know, a few thousand of them out there at the very, very most. No, yeah, that would be at the upper end of it. Yeah, I mean, there's it's way rarer than Panzer Dragoon Saga, that's for sure. And that's the most oh, popular sure. homebrew, so I think all homebrew is pretty cool in that sense. All right, well, I'm not really with you on homebrew. I don't, I don't really care about that stuff. Oh, man, well, uh, I don't care uh, about Super Nintendo clucky. games, so all these new Super Nintendo games you're talking about, who cares? Well, they're just costing me money, not you. Congrats. Yep. You can just buy your, your weird homebrew Nintendo games. Like, I mean, you don't even want all the homebrew games. What about Hoppin' Mad? That's that doesn't count. That was there's a repro of a game that was made in 1988, and they're just like, oh hey, I have this game now. I have the prototype. What, I'm gonna be the one who releases it. What about Chuck Yeager? You know what? I did I did buy that, but it's so. <laughs> I see some inconsistency in your story it's, here. Uh, uh, all right, I will I will be consistent here. I have um I can't even count, but I probably have like three or four actual pirate reproduction games that are like a jerk move to own in my game room, but I don't catalog them in my collection. So Chuck Yeager is like not going to be on my spreadsheet because I think it's a really dubious release. Like I also have like a, a Terranigma from somewhere that I, I got somewhere, but it's just like this kind of piece of garbage reproduction to me. Uh, yeah, I have a Terranigma too, but if you... To be fair, like Terranigma is a, a really good game and it wasn't released here, so there was no way to really play that. And it's part of a series in an RPG. Like, it's like the third one. So You could play it on an emulator. You could play it on a flashcard. If, what if you don't want to play on emulators or flashcards? Well, there's no excuse for not wanting to play it on a flashcard. That's original hardware. Mm. <laughs> it's no, what's a reproduction? It's just it's a flashcard that plays one game. Look, I'm not telling you what I believe. I'm just telling you what I've heard other people say. All right. All right, fine. All right, that's that's not me. I I don't care. You know me. I, I'm going to load up a bunch of ROMs on my SNES Classic, and that's how I'm going to play Oh, them. yeah, I forgot. I'm not arguing with real Johnny. I'm arguing with straw man Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't give a shit. So, yeah, these things are... They're out there, and they're probably coming more. Like, it's, it's fine. I, I think they hurt the value, the overall value of collecting. I think it's nice to see new things. I, I If it's well done, I'll probably pick them up, but... I don't think they count, to summarize my thought. I don't think they count. I think they're cool, but I do think they probably hurt the value of a collection. If you're if you're looking just to collect, I, I think you should focus your energy on original stuff, not this stuff. But I, I think a lot of people get obsessed with the idea of, oh my god, this is limited, and I can get it now, and god, I missed out 30 years ago, and now look at how expensive all this stuff is. That's not where this world is, even though that Street Fighter cart got expensive. Just don't worry about that. Just put it out of your brain. It's garbage anyways. Nothing... 
that has ever been released and on day one people are like i need to get this it's going to be expensive is ever the thing that's collectible like decades down the line right no it's always it's always something you didn't think about never those things like ps4 when people start like getting really into ps4 there's going to be some really weird stuff that's hard to find and every single limited run games release is going to be super easy to find on ebay because everyone bought them to resell them down the line yep uh i checked on that street fighter cart I see a buy it now right here for two hundred and seventy dollars. That's a deal because so, the, the only three that I see that sold are three hundred. Oh, this one's two thirty nine. Yeah, it's the Blanca green one. Even though Blanca is not that color green. Is it cart only though? Are they no. are they being that kind no, of jerk? The, okay. No, no, no. These are these are uh they're they're out there in their boxes. In their weird Street Fighter boxes. Oh my god, there are there are copies of this selling under a hundred dollars. This makes me so happy. Are they actually going for under a hundred dollars? I see one that sold for ninety dollars with ten dollars shipping. We did it. We you guys did it. <laughs> Hooray. Oh man, I, I hope it I hope it drops to like fifty. I mean they sold five thousand of these compared to like any other like kind of low key retro release, that would be insane to sell 5,000 of anything on a retro console so who knows yeah it could yeah i mean i do see a lot of them still priced at like 400 dollars and things like that 350 and 200 for like regulars don't buy those guys just wait just wait it out make these people who bought them just to scalp them suffer a little bit and then make capcom suffer a little bit for one all the garbage games they've put out in the last 10 years and destroying their brand and also for doing this fucking thing and thinking it was okay <laughs> yeah i actually see one for under 100 right now 94 dollars. i'm gonna bid on this glow in the dark one there's only a thousand of them uh oh yeah the one with 22 hours left yeah 99 cents nope. free shipping I, i'm i'm bidding on it i'm gonna get it 20 dollars by a guy with a bunch bid. of feedback yep i'm i'm putting my 20 dollar bid on it do you think i'll win I don't think you'll win because it says brand new, never open, but it also specifies that it's the glow in the dark version. So I don't know how that's possible. Well, the one I'm looking at ends in 22 hours and it shows it open. I, I see the cart. I'm thinking maybe it didn't come sealed. Maybe that's the deal. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Fair enough. Ooh, you can get the red and the green one for someone really went out and did it. They get the $400. You could have both. Well, yeah. I mean, you need both for the full set, so. Oh, right, right. Oh, damn. Now I'm going to have to spend all that money. So I could actually bring us back on topic, even though I think you think we're running long. How do you feel yeah. about individual releases versus the multi-cart releases? Because I think if Holy Diver was not this kind of cool individual package release and they just threw it on one of these Data East multi-carts, I would think that's way less cool. I agree. All right. Like this... R-Type collection, I guess that's kind of cool because both of those games already kind of exist in America, and re-releasing R-Type 3, it's like, great, you can get the game cheaper, but I could just download it if I really wanted it. But for these games that were never released here, I think it's much cooler if they just do individual releases of them. I agree, yeah, because it puts puts some focus on them. Cooler, but I don't want a bunch of these at $60 either. So, in that sense, I I like the multi-carts better because the price has been suppressed on those. Whereas Holy Diver is $60 and it's just one. It's really going to become release dependent for me. Like, how cool is the game being released? Holy Diver, if you would have cornered me and asked me one cool game that I would like, that's a homebrew. It would have been that one for Nintendo anyways. So that just happened to fit my world purview perfectly for what I was looking for. All right. Yeah. 
I, I think we've we've rambled about this stuff enough. Good luck out there. Remember, don't don't reward this newfangled idea that's going on. If you want to buy some stuff from Retrobit because it's cool, do that. But don't buy it because you think you're going to resell it and make a bunch of money. Because you won't, as Street Fighter has already proven to you in like two months. Yep. God, I, I just, I hope it keeps crashing. Anyways, let's move on to the second part of the show. Hey, Tyler, what'd you buy? What'd you play? Uh, I bought a bunch of NES homebrew at MAGFest. <laughs> well, I mean, I bought a bunch of stuff, but it's all like really boring, random 16-bit stuff that no one cares about. And I think I got some like what? Uh, big box PC games. I don't like literally sometimes I just go on eBay. I go through every single auction and I just bid under market value on literally everything I don't have. So if I just get a good deal on anything, I'm happy with it. I don't even know what I bought. It's just a bunch of garbage. Okay. But the exciting thing is the homebrew. Because there's Kevbot's Homebrew Highlights, which is a, a new run of three or four yellow carts. We've got Cornball Cocksuckers in there, Hangman, there's a Mastermind clone, and Kevin Power in Concert Carnage, I believe is the name of it, which is like a, it's sort of like Death Race on NES. I know you're, you're enthralled by all of this. Oh man, I feel so sick to my stomach even hearing about any of this. So Hangman is a re-release of a bad homebrew that was... Um, maybe hangman this might be the first time hangman was released i don't know if it's a re-release of the homebrew but yeah it's just hangman and uh hangman was a game it was it was released like years ago okay so it was a homebrew i I don't know i'm not like super crazy into nes homebrew i just i recently got into it maybe the past two years yeah i got spookatron uh well that's a cool what what's what system's that for nes Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, that has a cool title. What's that about? It's a, a Robotron. It's like a Robotron-style homebrew for the NES, but if you uh, hack up a Virtual Boy controller, you can play it with a Virtual Boy controller. Okay, but what what is the theme? It's like Robotron, but with spooky zombies and pumpkins. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Okay, I'm into that. Uh, what'd you play? Please don't say Ninja Gaiden 3. I didn't, but at MAGFest, I did beat Ninja Gaiden 1 four times, because... I like playing that game. And I was okay. 24 hours. Got to find stuff to do every once in a while. But uh, I played a bunch of co-op games with Ada here. So I'll start with the good. I played Snipperclips Plus on the Nintendo Switch. and yeah, Physical or download? Uh, Snipperclips Plus, I think, is physical. Or maybe it's DLC oh, for the download uh, one. But yeah, I was so happy this came out on physical copy. This game is awesome. I hate video games. Like I will criticize games all day for every little bullshit thing they do but snipper clips is is almost a perfect game uh it doesn't like puzzle games when you play a puzzle game it starts you off with the stupid tutorial it has cutscenes, even though it's a puzzle game like there will be 39 super easy like i've never held a controller in my life puzzles in a row before you get up to a puzzle that's actually interesting and snipper clips does none of that it just gets straight into it every level is completely different there's no bs i totally love it okay what else to play that was the good what's the bad? so that was the good one and now we come to the opposite of everything i love about games uh which is lego dimensions which is an enjoyable game for what it is but uh me and ada actually we finally played through the story we've done a lot of dicking around on the side but we finally went and completed the story and basically every puzzle in that game is the same it's like oh yeah, match the colors oh here's the red thing that's what doctor who uses i guess i'll get doctor who and do it it's like this isn't really a puzzle this is like in Zelda Ocarina of Time, how it's like, shoot the eyeball with the arrow. I'm like, that 
that wasn't a puzzle. That was just a thing I had to do. But that's the entire game of Lego Dimensions. Well, I, I mean, I wish Lego Dimensions had a like a, a little bit more lethality in it. And I know that sounds weird. And like if the controls were a little tighter, because what Lego games actually remind me of are sweet beat 'em up games with a few of these like little side questy elements where you gotta like use Batman to do this or that. Yep. I like that aspect of them, and I think the original ones were more of that. Lego Dimensions had some some weird stuff thrown in there. I, I love Lego Dimensions for what it was, but it's by no means great. Though you did get a bunch of sweet minifigs that you never would have got otherwise. So If I was nine years old, it would probably be the best game I've ever played. Because I, yeah. I played it maybe 45 hours, and I think I've... Like, my completion percentage in gold bricks is like 10%. It's really nuts. Oh, yeah, that's impossible. Like, you're just like, oh my god, there's so many gold bricks. I feel like I've done so many things. How don't? Yeah. How how do I not have more of these? I also think the game would be no fun if... Because I know you, like me, we probably bought a shitload of LEGO Dimensions. So, you know, we're playing this game. I have all of them. We've got like 120 minifigs and vehicles sitting in front of our TV playing this. But if you were a mm-hmm. kid and you were playing through with Batman and Gandalf and the girl, Wildstyle... Like you can't you can't do anything. It's literally a game that's just showing you a bunch of DLC that you need to buy. Yeah, it was better when they made the thing where you could pay to download a character or pay to play switch to a character you don't have, like uh, with some studs and complete some of the puzzles. That was nice. It's still in the game, isn't it? But you just have to grind forever to get enough studs to do everything. Well, and you still can't do everything. What I wish happened, as cool as it is to switch the figures out. I do wish you could stockpile, like, the Lego games before that, you had, like, 20 guys you could switch through at all times, like, in free play mode. I I wish I could kind of, like, just put them on the thing and just load them in and have a stockpile of, like, 10 characters. Because I I do hate having to, like, I'm like, well, let me bring this one out. Because when I play Lego Dimensions, there's, like, this whole ceremony I have to go through to play it. I'm like... And I'll pull this out, and I'll set it on this tray, and it's got to be close enough because this stupid thing isn't wireless. And then I need this tray to hold all my minifigs, and they need to be close enough to my hand so I can switch them out easy enough, but I still want to relax in my comfortable chair and not be, like, sitting on a chair three feet from the TV. It's a problem. I mean, that that's how we played it for probably 80% of it, and then we got one of those laptop desks that goes into the couch and hovers over it, and then that was like a revelation. All of a sudden, we can lean back and actually play Lego Dimensions. Yeah, I, I bought a controller extension for it, so it reaches the couch, and I put it on a tray table right next to Man, the that's couch. Man, that's a long cord. How far away is your TV from your couch? Whatever it is, too far. Move it up. 12 feet, maybe? It's, oh, it's oh. too far. Get closer. Pause the podcast for a second. Oh, no. Well, I'm just going to keep recording and cut it out. <laughs> okay. I lied. I'm not going to cut it out. I think Johnny's measuring his TV from his couch. So how you doing, listeners? Um, I'm just hanging out here. I don't know. I just I went to MAGFest. They have a, a pinball tournament every year. It gets bigger and bigger every year, but MAGFest also has all these retro games and musical artists and all that. So, so I basically didn't play pinball. I, I put one game up on each game just to get my name in the rankings, and then I went off and enjoyed MAGFest. That was fun. Got to see some Power Glove live. Got to see Samus, who's this girl who kind of raps and she wears Samus's arm cannon. Rainbow Dragon Eyes, who's just a guy who uh, sings like death metal lyrics over chip tunes. He's pretty cool. I could never do a podcast by myself. I can't hold this down. 
played through the Streets of Rage games. Streets of Rage 1, super nostalgic game for me. One of the games I one of the first games I owned on the Game Gear, uh, which is a terrible console, but it's what I got stuck with instead of a Game Boy. So playing through the Genesis version, basically the same game. Nostalgic. I don't like the beat 'em up genre, so I still liked that game just because I played it so much as a kid. And then Streets of Rage 2. Whew. That's a fun game because it's so easy. And the problem with every beat-em-up game is that there's a boss who's freaking impossible, like the twins in Streets of Rage. And then Streets of Rage 3, I played for like two hours and gave up, because that game is hard as hell. All right, I'm back. I was just talking to myself, having a little one-on-one with the listeners. Okay, cool. I had to sign for a package. Oh, okay. I speculated that you were measuring the distance between your TV and your couch because you were that concerned about being exact. No, I I know how far it is. It's 12 feet. I have a uh, a 75-inch TV, though, so the couch needs to be back a little further. I have a 47-inch TV. Haven't upgraded Ew. in almost a decade. It's been great. Are you... No, I know. What? I, need a, I need a bigger TV. Dude, what? Come on. They're... I don't use it. I play, I play retro games, and I have two 720p TVs that are like 30 inches that I play on. And I don't play modern games that often, so I don't really need to. What? You don't watch movies? Yeah, we watch movies. It's fine. Uh, Tyler, please just go spend. Literally, you can go buy a 55 inch uh, TCL. It's a very good TV, 4K for like $320, $350. I'm waiting, waiting for the display tech to get up there. Like, there's gonna be like OLED screens that are. I'm. I really like black levels, so I want like the super black levels of an OLED screen. Those. That's what's cool, right? Yeah, I, I agree. That's cool. But by the time that comes into your price range and. Uh, clearly how finicky you are about it it's going to be another 10 years so just get this one to service you for the next like five years of your life or whatever no i can't do that i'm just gonna What's live wrong with with my... you're a monster <laughs> i got nice speakers it sounds real nice I just oh, gotta squint at the screen what like you're like oh yeah she's got a horrible looking face but sure got a nice like just fix it you could <laughs> fix it you could have all you could he, he, your your dreambo, he could be a really handsome man with an ice body. I'm not going to buy a $300 TV. You know, I'm going to go and I'm going to get something good because you know, I know I'm going to keep it for 15 years despite you being like, no, it would hold you over for five years. So, But that TCL is a good TV. It just happens to be $300. Well, I, I would go on displaylag.com. I would only buy like, I would choose from the 20 models there are with super low input lag and that would be it. You, what do you... I still play what Rock game Band. Do you pl- uh, okay, well, go ahead and go look, and I'm sure the TCL, uh, it rates uh, as a low-lag TV. What the fuck is TCL? No one has ever heard of I, this brand of TV. It's it's like a newer brand, but they are they came out of the gates really strong this year. Serious, uh, go look at their review on Wirecutter. It's excellent. All right. All right, I trust Wirecutter. I'll, I'll go look at your stupid TV, and then I won't buy it. You know, wire cutter is the one that says this is the, your TV to buy. All right, that's their that's their number one pick this year. I'm gonna look at the input lag. Okay, do it. What were we talking about? We're talking about Lego Dimensions and how long that cord is. Yeah, that's why it's relevant because I have a large TV and so we're back a little. Though I, I do wish my couch was about two feet closer. I put it two feet closer, but the dogs just kind of like push it back. Well, my couch is right up on top of it because I got a tiny TV. I have to, to see it. I also have bad eyes, so, like, how am I supposed to see that thing? Well, I mean, if you have bad eyes, maybe you can't tell how bad the frame rate is in LEGO Dimensions, another thing I hate about video games. 
Oh yeah, what, uh, are you playing on the PS4 or playing the... on the PS4 Pro with boost mode, and it's like wow. 25 FPS at all times, and I think 30 frames per second that belongs in 1996 because or you know, it belongs in 1992 because once Daytona USA came out and everyone saw that 60 frames a second is the most amazing thing their eyeballs have ever seen is when we all should have said no more, no more 30 FPS. This is all we can do is 60 FPS now. I don't disagree, but at least you're not playing it on the Wii U. Because if you ever played it on the Wii U, it was terrible. Well, yeah, you've, you're the one who cautioned me against that, I think, way back when yeah. I started playing LEGO Dimensions. Yeah, like, I, it was bad because I had like 20 hours and I stopped and just switched over to a PS4. Oh, man. I, I can't even imagine doing that. It was hard. <laughs> that You have to imagine how bad it was for me to, to make that statement. Yep. And I, the best thing about playing it on the Wii U is that if you're playing multiplayer, there's none of the weird split screen because the other player just looks at the gamepad. Yeah, and you told me that, and I'm like, oh, then the Wii U is processing two individual things at the same time, full screen. That's going to be real shaky. And it is. <laughs> so avoid. As cool as that should be. It just, it didn't work out. Okay, what did I, what did I buy? I bought the New Leaf Genesis cart, which no one knows what that is, but it's really cool, and I bought yeah, one. No one cares about that. Did you buy any any Sonic games? Um, no. Oh, all right. Well, you got Echo the Dolphin recently, right? Well, that was on the New Leaf cart. Yeah. Well, there you go. Everyone yeah, loves Echo. Because that's what you bought it for, right? The, yeah. Yes. The New Leaf cart is New Leaf Entertainment. What they are is they were. And this is going to sound wrong. They are a media distribution company, or they were, and that's not in the way that they distribute CDs or books or anything like that. They distributed digital media onto, like, ROM cartridges. That was their business model. And so they made this cart for the Genesis, then partnered with Blockbuster, and what they were going to do is they were going to burn ROMs of games onto the cart. So you would come up and say... I want to play Echo the Dolphin tonight. I'm renting Echo the Dolphin. They'd say, cool, let me burn it onto that for you. There's Echo the Dolphin. So no games would ever be checked out. Everything would always be in. Which is a great idea. Except ROMs changed and it, it didn't keep up. And eventually New Leaf went under in like 1995. And then Blockbuster just retained the rights to that project. And that's when you found those Blockbuster carts the the blue and green one the game factory carts so new leaf became that so new leaf is the forerunner then the blockbuster carts and those have new chipsets and everything still didn't wind up working out and then cd media like started to take over and i think i think they're just a company that came out a little bit too early i think we we all remember going down to the blockbuster and getting our new leaf carts burned though right Nope, no one remembers that. It was in, like, South Carolina, and uh, it was, like, a test site of, like, ten stores. I think about five to, to eight of them are known to exist, and uh, maybe even less, and I've got one of them now. So can we call that rare, five to eight? That's not uncommon. That's an actual rarity, I would say. Yeah, it's an actual rarity. <laughs> uh, so I've got the sweet, all the sweet rarities for the Genesis now. So that that feels cool. You have Outback Joey? I do. All right. I forgot about that. Look at you. Yeah. Mr. Genesis over here. Wow. I have Outback Joey. I have the Blockbuster World Championship. I, I've got it all. That's really fancy. I mean, Is there a box for Outback Joey? 
there is a there's a system box. So that's the system box actually has a picture of the Outback Joey label on the front of it. So I consider that the cartridge box. And you have that too? Yes. Damn, Johnny, you're just so cool. All right. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. My Genesis collection is real good. All right. Real good. I I you know, I toot my own horn about the Genesis collection. I I think if you walked into my office and came here and looked at all the Genesis stuff, you'd be hard pressed to find a more complete or a better Genesis collection out there. Maybe a few people, at least like here in America, you're not going to find that many people. Are you sure? Do you got you got coffee crisis? I don't know what that is actually. What's oh, coffee crisis? It um, it's a new homebrew game. Oh, no, I have Legend of Wukong. Woo! Yeah, you got all that garbage, right? You got yeah. Pure Solar and all that, right? I do. Go ahead, I do pick have up those, Coffee yeah. Crisis. Make your Genesis prob- collection more complete. I might. You never know. I have a lot of dumb games like Oh Mummy and stuff like that. I, I've got a lot of those games. Yeah, you made me. I think I have a saved search for Oh Mummy now. <laughs> once you told me about that. <laughs> yeah, it's that's a fun one. Yeah. Anyways, I, I bought that and uh, it will be on display with me this weekend, which will won't matter to anyone listening to this because it'll all be already be over. I will be at the Retro City Festival. Yeah. That's my weekend plans. Uh, what did I play this weekend? I didn't play anything. I was so busy and swamped. It was dumb. Oh man. But video games. Yes. I know. I was replaying Zelda Breath of the Wild uh, last week. So, you know, I guess since our last podcast, I actually did play Breath of the Wild. And I was playing a bunch of that, a bunch of the DLC. I finally said, all right, I'm ready to play some more Zelda again. And Is that I was really good? enjoying I, it. I never went back to it. Yeah, it's fun. You know, it, I like collecting costumes. So this was fun for me. Have you beaten Mario Odyssey? Uh, you know, I'm still on the last level, and I, I decided to play Zelda, and then got completely wrapped up in Zelda and have not finished Mario Odyssey. I'm going to finish that next week, though. Okay. You know, all right, we're going to wrap this back around. So we're going from banter to topic to what we're playing and collecting. Now I'm going back to banter, because I forgot to bring this up. This has been driving me crazy for like two weeks. It's a trivia question. So, okay. all right, we got to preface this. Jeopardy is an extremely specific game. So maybe three weeks ago, there was a guy on it, and the answer to the question was Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise. And he said... You mean what is Coolio's Gangsta's uh, Paradise? There was a clue, and the response to the clue was like, what is Gangsta's Paradise? Um, But he said, what is Gangster's Paradise? Uh, with With the ER instead of the A? With the ER. This was like a prim and proper white guy. He couldn't have said gangsta if he tried to say gangsta. And the the judges, they went back later in the game and they marked him wrong for that question. So that's just an example to show you how specific Jeopardy is. Uh, So Hmm. if you have an Amazon Echo, you could play Jeopardy on it. And there's 12 questions every day. And this was one of the questions a couple weeks ago. It was something like Super Mario Odyssey just came out on the Nintendo Switch. What was the first game starring Super Mario? To which you would, of course, answer, Johnny. Super Mario Brothers. You, yeah, you're just saying that because you know we talked about it and I gave this... No, I didn't. <laughs> I, that's because Super Mario is different than Mario. Motherfucker, yes. It would, be, it would be Donkey Kong otherwise. Yeah, so obviously I thought about it and I'm like, this is Jeopardy. So they're real specific. I think Jeopardy knows what Super Mario is. So I say Super Mario Brothers. Of course, I'm wrong. It's Donkey Kong. And it's been eating me alive. It's like if they asked, what car does Batman drive? And the answer was a Lamborghini. 
And it's like, no, Batman doesn't drive a Lamborghini. Bruce Wayne drives a Lamborghini. Just because they're the same person doesn't mean that's what you asked. Well, hold on. That I mean, we're we're you're getting into a lot of philosophy here over who's real. Is it Bruce Wayne is the mask or is Batman the mask? But if I, if I ask what car does he, Batman probably has never driven a Lamborghini. Batman drives the Batmobile. Well, Batman. Well, no. If if you believe that oh, Bruce God, Wayne I is on the a mask, topic Johnny loves. Yeah, if you believe that Bruce Wayne is the mask, then that means that Batman is the one who's enacting all of the things, right? So, you know, if you're in a Halloween costume and you're driving your car, you're dressed like a clown. It's not a clown driving your car. You're driving your car. Okay, you're like you're right. If if Bruce Wayne is the mask, you're right. That's not a perfect analogy. So I will okay. give you... A, so I was prepared for this. I, I didn't even think that you're the Batman guy. So I was prepared for this. My better analogy is... If I asked you what was the first game starring Raccoon Mario, which is also a powered-up version of Mario, the answer would definitely not be Donkey Kong. So, right. Uh, and so I brought this up on like the Jeopardy subreddit, and a bunch of people gave me a bunch of shit for it. They're like, no, it's the same person. You're an idiot. And it's been just needling at me. I don't like when internet comments get to me, because they never fucking do. But I'm like, you motherfuckers don't know about Super Mario. It's not just an adjective used to describe Mario. And yeah, I just... This yeah. is why I obviously needed to bring this up again at the end of this podcast. So, what was the answer on Jeopardy? The answer was Super Mario? No, it was Donkey Kong. Oh, no, that's incorrect. Yeah, I know. No, that that's that's 100% wrong. It, yeah, no, Mario... It's Mario Bro, right? And then there's Super Mario. While technically the same guy, Super Mario's first appearance in a game was in Super Mario Brothers. Yes, after he eats the Super Mushroom. So, yeah, before that, it was just Mario as Donkey Kong. Mario and Donkey Kong. It's true. Or Jumpman, even. I even went, yeah, I looked Jumpman. back at the at the Donkey Kong, like, arcade flyers. I'm like, there's definitely no mention of Super in here. There can't be. And it even specifically calls him Little Mario, which is now what we call the non-Super version of Mario. It just drove me nuts. Yeah, no, I'm on your side on this one. Good. Yeah, no, 100% agree. Well, I, I was hoping Cat would be here, and I would ask both of you, and then we'd have a disagreement, and we could fight over it. Nope, I think everybody else is 100% wrong, and you're 100% right, and I think Cat would be on our side. Oh, man. This is why I'm part of the game-collecting community. You guys you guys get me. Yeah, that, no, that, that other answer was trash. If you're going to penalize gangster and, and gangsta, like, come on. It, Give me a fucking break. The first here. thing I thought was that gangsta thing because it happened right before this question. I'm like, oh yeah, Jeopardy knows what they're freaking talking about. Yeah. All right. Nope. Bu- total bullshit. Now on that note, I think we're 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 out of here. Unless you got anything else you want to throw out? Uh, no. That was that was my non sequitur of the day. There we go. All right. Cool. We will be back next week with another episode about what I don't know yet. Anyways, Tyler, where can we find you on the internets? Uh, I'm on Instagram at default gen default G E N. And I'm on Instagram at Johnny underscore Iucci. That's J O H N N Y underscore I U C C I. You can also find us, uh, you know, out in the real world. Like I said, too late for this one, but I'm at that convention. If you came down and we talked, I hope I wasn't a rude jerk to you. I usually am not that guy, but I, I hope I wasn't. There are times. Anyways, everybody, uh, We'll talk to you later. Bye.